0: This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network.
1: On the phone with us right now, Artie Lang. We're a big fans, so we decided hey, we're broadcasting right now. We follow him on Twitter at Quitter, and we found out he's here in Detroit tonight at the Motor City Casino Soundboard. Artie, thank you so much. I know we kind of bum rushed you, but I appreciate the opportunity to talk for a few minutes.
0: Hey, no problem, man. I uh, always like talking uh, when I'm trying to kill time. I'm a talker. That's what my
1: principal said. So I'm in. No doubt about it. So, how are you enjoying Detroit so far? I know you've only been here a couple hours.
0: Well, I've been here a bunch of times. I love Detroit. I uh, first time I was ever here was 1984. I was at the Kirk Gibson 201 game. My grandfather. Got captured in the Battle of the Bulge in in the Second World War. He went to a German prison camp for five months with a guy from Detroit, Bob Forbes. And the guy was a bigwig in GM with the Union. And uh, as a gift to my grandfather, because he helped save his life in the war. In 1984, when I was 17, and my little cousin Frankie was 13, he sent me and him... Two tickets and a plane ticket to come up to watch the fifth World Series game. And it was what happened when Gibson hit the two homers. And we were in a Detroit riot, a legendary, legit Detroit riot afterwards. And uh, the guy, Bob Forbes, says it beat the Battle of the Bulls. That's how impressive it was. And I uh, I was a Detroit fan for one night. And that's the first time I ever heard of Domino's Pizza. And that's what I remember, pizza. The guy on the Tigers on Domino's Pizza. And that's the first time I was ever in Detroit at 17. So I fell in love with it immediately.
1: Now, Artie, you got a set tonight. I know you said on your Twitter page, at Artie Quitter, bring out your cell phones because it could be an angry set. What's on tap for this evening for those that are going to come out to the Motor City Soundboard?
0: (laughs) You didn't even hear that story. Uh, I, uh, I, you know, I, I got a little mad at uh, some people in my life, uh, some agents who uh, like to pull a fast one with gigs on the road, and they uh, they offer you. I'm not mad about Detroit. I'm mad about St. Louis coming up because uh, they make me do four shows uh, so another client can get in there, and uh, I can sacrifice. I could do one show at a theater like I'm doing in lovely Detroit, uh, but uh, I got mad at my agent. I was going to go on tear. So many people have texted me uh, and tweeted me when I gave out my cell number once uh, from Detroit. We're trying to be comedians, and I a lot of them say they're going to the show tonight. So I wanted to dedicate a section of like uh, why uh, why a lot of scum bears go into this business and to tell them to beware because I like uh, the people of Detroit. And I was going to give them a little angry lesson on what uh, what crap you can see if you go into stand up comedy.
1: Now, Artie, you did have an incident back a few years, back when you, I think, played a set in Royal Oak. Take the fans back to what happened and how now you have come back, and I think you called it coming back from crashing.
0: Well, I uh, I, I was on stage, and uh, apparently the kid in the front row was a doctor because uh, he. Uh, I said, thanks for coming out, guys, and I didn't feel well. I really didn't feel well. I was going to fight, and the kid went, you look like shit. I said, thank you. And uh, his prognosis was right. I nearly collapsed backstage. I was a diabetic coma, my blood sugar was I think the same number as Babe Ruth's lifetime slugging percentage 6-9, and that's a disease called something alamosis. it's got an SIS It's something like a Greek thing and it means your blood sugar is deadly and I spent 10 days at a hospital just outside of Detroit, and uh, it was uh, something I needed to do or else I would have died so a kid at the Royal Oak in the front row yelling that out might have saved my life and I was happy to stay here for, for 10 days, I enjoyed myself
1: now, we here at the Detroit Sports Podcast Network, we're big fans of Artie Lang. And was there a scenario where they tried to keep you longer and tried to even say that potentially they tried to petition you to stay? Is that true?
0: No, I yeah, no, you know, I think they were done with me by then. I wanted to leave the second day and they said you can't do that. Uh I could have signed myself up, and they said I would have collapsed and died, which was probably true. I had a catheter in me, which is the worst experience ever. And uh I had to stay until the blood sugar got better, which was like a full nine or ten days, but then they let me go. I was ready to go home anyway. I had a gig. and I, But I got to tell you, I got through a whole hour. Or the, the crowds here are great. They're great comedy fans.
1: Yeah, Detroit is well known for receiving those and those that do comedy very well. Tell the people that are listening right now what kind of projects you are into as well, besides stand-up.
0: Oh, I, know, I go around now. I got the third book coming out in uh, Christmas. Christmas time The first. I did uh, two bestsellers in a row. Um... Uh, well, the first one was the number one bestseller, so that's the only thing my mother's proud of in my career. Uh, at the Stern Show, we used to cover strippers' asses with mayonnaise and from baloney, and she didn't like that. But this she tells her friends about, that I'm on the bigger-time list, and I'm proud of that, too. So that comes out Christmas. Right now, the tentative title is Colleges for Losers. That might change, depending on what they want. You know, the people say, give me $100,000, right write the book, they're going to get whatever they want. Uh, I have a podcast, like you guys, and I enjoy doing it. It's the first time I've ever been uncensored. That's that serious, you get cursed, but you're still working for an uptight corporation. This is just whatever I could want to say. It's the best, as you guys know. But I have to watch what I say, because if I'm too uncensored, I'll be working construction Monday, and that's not actually a joke anymore. It's crazy, the political correctness. But I have a blast. And of course, stand-up, it's, it's a good time. Crashing on HBO, it's a legit thing. Uh, I've never been this sort of busy.
1: Did you think when things were down that you would actually come back and regroup and have the success that you have? I mean, you can find all Artie's great work on his website, com. But when the times were tough, when you were in the midst of the addiction, do you feel like that, uh, you could have come back and had this resurgence right now?
0: You know, it, it, when you're in the middle of it, it's happened to me like five times I've, I've been there and I, I sort sure, of, you know, I know. With with help from some powerful people, like uh, in the Mad TV years, Quincy Jones became a guy who was uh, helped me out, and, uh, and then it was uh, Howard, Bill McDonald, and now Chad it's it's uh, I've been lucky to meet guys like that. But no, when you're in the depths of that stuff, man, especially opioid withdrawals, you don't think you're gonna live, much less have a career. It's
1: crazy. Anytime we bring up your name and have a discussion, inevitably, everyone always wants to talk about your time with Howard Stern. Now, I know you've right. been, yeah, I know you've been vocal. You had an epic time with Howard. You guys' fallout has been well documented. But do you look back at it now and go, you know what? The time that I spent there, you know, was fruitful and I can take away some positives, even though right now maybe your relationship with Howard Stern is not where you want it to be? Oh no, it's
0: all positive. It's like the I don't have a problem with Howard. If you're listening closely to my rants, I, I there's it, it, this only started in the last year. There's this woman he hired that, you know, he don't want anybody to know about. I don't know why I thought that would be a secret that that uh that became like Gary's boss and uh, her name is Marcy Turk, and people know her now, and she, Howard gave her car blanche. She became Gary's boss. I don't know how that works. And it was because she wrote a book that's kind of a cultish thing called Getting Things Done. It's people compare it to Scientology. I don't know. But stuff's happened to people who were loyal soldiers to him for years and years, and, and, and he, they're being mistreated by this woman. And, uh, you know, Howard, that's not the kind of guy I knew. Howard, Howard Stern, I know, was insanely generous. The best guy. He gave me the biggest break of my career. Those eight years were the best comedy I've ever done, and uh, people uh, that I talk to I nice to, to say it's their, their favorite comedy ever, the stuff me and him did together on that show, so I have no regrets. I don't dislike Howard. I dislike the situation he's in, and the fact that he's writing a lot of people off who are good to him, and they're not looking for jobs or don't leech off them. They might want a recommendation from him, and because of this woman blocking him, it can't happen. And I just think that's weird, and they don't have a voice, those guys. They're not performers, a lot of them. I do, and uh, I'm trying to give them a voice against her, not Howard. I think I could save him, too. I think he's in trouble. I think she brainwashed him, which is hard to believe because that's the smartest guy I ever met.
1: Do you think, in this age of political correctness, had Howard started maybe a year or two ago, would he have been the king of all media? Because right now we all talk about it—the age of political correctness. Everybody's offended by everything. If Howard started now and you were on that show, would that show reach the heights that it did in this day and age? Well,
0: the heights that it hit is so extraordinary. It might maybe not that, but it would have been the best radio show ever, no matter what it was, because uh, th- that's what he is. I mean, Howard is just uniquely gifted. On the radio, and I look. I worked three feet from a guy for ten years. I I know when someone's funny or not because it's what I do for a living. And when someone's a great host, I mean, a guy is just uh, a master of that craft. You know, Michael Jordan, Babe Ruth, use whatever analogy you want. He's the best ever at it. So he would have been the best ever. But the heights that it hit, I mean, literally, he was the thing holding up radio. When he left, it it, it shattered. And uh, the money and everything. I don't know about that success, but he would have been great.
1: Now, since 2006, when you went to the Fox Theater and sold it out and you signed your name in between Sinatra and Dean, have you gone <laughs> back and had an opportunity to see if it's still there or what the scene is back there?
0: <laughs> I hear it's still there. I haven't been back, but I got to tell you, I hear they never washed that wall for that purpose. And I asked the guy, I ran it, he gave me a black uh, magic marker, like a Sharpie, uh, like to sign autographs with And he said, just put your name anywhere. And I said, Sinatra had a play in this place. And he goes right over here, and he showed it that D. Martin was right underneath there was a small space, and I scrunched my name in there, and uh, as far as I hear, it's still there.
1: Now, I don't want to get you in any kind of trouble, but definitely we follow you on Twitter, and we're aware that uh, sometimes in the past you have, you know, hired the services of professional adult entertainers. Sure. Have you had the the opportunity to partake in Detroit, and how do Detroit adult entertainers rank across those uh, worldwide? Well, I tell you, sometimes
0: Detroit's a little too into its sports. I ordered a woman who looked uh, a little uh, a little like Selma Hayek, and when she got here, she was Selma Kayek. Uh, she looked like Mikel Cabrera with a tattoo of his dead brother on his neck. That's what she looked like. So I got ripped off, and I'm looking to uh, find the people who sent it to me and get my money back. I've tried that in other towns. It never works, but it's always a great story. And I think... At this gig tonight, with the suite I have, I literally have an Elvis Presley-level suite. It's unreal to took care of me here. I'm going to be able to pull non-hookers up to this room. That's my vow. That's my promise.
1: Artie Lang, kind enough to give us a few minutes here on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for the time. Best wishes. Have a great set. And stay safe. Have a great time tonight. Detroit's lucky to have you tonight.
0: I right, Listen, thank you. And uh, I think the Tigers got to get a better pension plan
1: because Lou Whitaker parked my car. <laughs> sure. Uh, take, be, care. take care, Artie. Bye-bye.